0: Welcome to Shameless, the celebrity and pop culture podcast that goes deep on all the dumb stuff. You're joined, as always, by Melbourne journalists Michelle Andrews and Zara McDonald. We're back! Hello! Hey, coming up on today's show, Channel 10 inadvertently tells a country of women they're just not that funny. Instagram's wellness warriors are at it again, and Demi Lovato was admitted to hospital after a suspected heroin overdose. So, is it time to consider why our reaction to celebrity overdose is so different to, say, the guy down the street? But first, before we get into all of that, Michelle, how was your month? My month this was quite high-pitched of me.
1: Let me just say as well, I'm so excited to be back.
0: I was like... Clearly lots going on in your life, eh?
1: Well, every celebrity news story that came out while you are in Europe, I was yeah. itching to talk about with someone.
0: Lucky you just put them all in the um, Facebook
1: group. I know, the Facebook group really got me by. Uh, how was my month? Our months were very different. Mm. I spent the last four weeks mostly sick Uh, I had a very severe chest infection and was bedridden. And now I've been informed that my glandular fever 2.0 has surfaced
0: congratulations. You can get glandular well, it's quite, fever twice. That's quite the achievement to have it chase you back.
1: I know, I know. So I'm tired at the moment. I'm wishing I was a little bit horizontal, but that's fine.
0: You could probably do this horizontal. We can lay you down halfway through and you can just have the microphone in the air.
1: You can just dangle my microphone over me like a These microphones are quite
0: heavy, so I probably can't do
1: that. <laughs> so my month was okay. I do have news because I realized that I haven't actually told the podcast listeners this. I've kind of uh, alluded to it with Instagram posts. And I think I mentioned in our bonus episode about buying Instagram followers that yeah. I was going freelance. Uh, but we have both left Mamma Mia now, not just you. Didn't take you long to quit after I did. I'm so obsessed with yeah. you that I just had to follow you out the door. Uh, yeah, I've left Mamma Mia and I am freelancing. So just <laughs> like, it. so floating through the world. Yeah, people keep <laughs> asking me, what does freelancing mean? I wish I knew. Uh, I think it will basically be me begging publications to publish my stories. So yeah, that is my last month. It's been quite eventful. And by eventful, I mean I've been lying in bed eating popcorn, watching Nailed It from Netflix a lot. Your last month. Tell me about Europe. About the same.
0: <laughs>
1: Netflix, lying <laughs> in bed.
0: No, it was good. It was good. I didn't know what to say. You sound like such a wanker coming home from a holiday. Because it's like, oh, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to come home and say... Best four weeks of my life. But also very... best four
1: weeks of your life. No, no, no. Right?
0: I don't want to be that person that says like the holiday was the best point of their life because the majority of your life that you live is working yes. and, and living. So I would much rather think about the the mundane stuff as the stuff that makes me happy. Because I think otherwise you'd really struggle to get by. But it was a very solid four weeks.
1: Okay. I'm not gonna ask you what your favourite country was, because that's an impossible question to ask when you're traveling mm. around Europe. What was your favorite day?
0: So there was, because I was traveling with sort of different people a little bit. So there was one day where all of my friends were together and we're on a boat in Capri. That was pretty nice, Mm. um, which was lovely.
1: Yeah, I saw it on Instagram.
0: (laughs) Yeah, because I put everything on Instagram because I'm a pain in the ass. It took every fiber of my being not to unfriend you. So Capri was good. No, it was all really great. And my best friend lives in London. So it was really lovely to see her and for us to all be back together. I think mainly, and this is what I think I wanted to come home and speak to you about because you haven't had a holiday in a long time is that it had been a while since I had stopped completely. Last year, my work roster was a bit funky. I didn't have a weekend off. I didn't take a day of leave. Mm. I didn't really spend any of my time off with anyone. It was a really kind of isolating year, but I still really loved it. And then I went away and I think this is going to sound so lame, but the two things that probably center me the most are reading a book and swimming. And I hadn't done that in six months. And so suddenly I was reading and I was swimming and I I actually finally feel calm. I hadn't thought that I was able to feel calm when I was working so
1: much. I really wish I liked swimming. My psychologist talks about the benefits oh, of swimming all the time. I have thought it's
0: so lame and so wanky for so long. Um, I think because I've always grown up in the water, like right near the ocean. And so anytime I feel stressed or overwhelmed or just, you know, so just not myself, that's where I'll go. And mm. the minute you're underwater, like I feel so much better. And I hadn't done that in a while. And that kind of stuff made me feel like... I didn't have to think about anything more than the next day. Mm, It's mindfulness, yeah. Well, that is the biggest privilege in the world and I hadn't felt like that in a while and I think we forget that we're allowed to feel like that. Like I don't need to think much further than, you know, the next couple of days ahead. Mm. And we never actually give ourselves that, that luxury.
1: It's funny how when you strip back everything and you go on a holiday or you just have any time off, how much those things ground you. Yeah, and how much they centre you—that's what it person. is. And it
0: sounds—it's so hard to have this conversation without sounding a bit. No, weird. you don't sound wanky at all. It felt more like me than I had in a long time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think also we really downplay how much the sun is important in oh. keeping ourselves happy. Like, well, this is what
0: when my my girlfriend's living in London at the moment, and she said she will be moving back maybe in the next year or so, but she says what she's struggling with the most is air like Mm. I think we really don't think how fresh the air is and how beautiful it is and the and the water the minute we found a beach she was in the water the entire time because that's sort of what centers her as well yeah and I think those kinds of things we don't give enough uh, probably importance to in how they do center us and ground us well seasonal
1: affective disorder is such a massive thing yeah I I know that my um, mental health struggles the most when it is winter months for sure so it's funny how much it literally being sunny and beautiful outside affects how you feel on the inside yeah maybe we should just. talking about ourselves because i'm sure a lot of people don't care yeah one thing that we were talking a lot about this week you got off your flight on monday and were very very jet-lagged but we did speak a lot this week about channel 10's promotion of a week of comedy show pilots which I believe is coming out early next year, which will basically be Channel 10 putting on a week of different stand-up comics or different media personalities, and the public will determine who gets a regular slot on Channel 10 by the ratings that each person gets. It's just funny that Channel 10's promotion of a week of comedy show pilots featured eight white Men. It was quite a funny
0: spread. Now, I hadn't been in the country, so I wasn't reading the, the physical newspapers, but a, a photo of the newspaper was doing the rounds on Twitter pretty heavily. And it was a hilarious spread in the Herald Sun of just all eight men who are going to be heading up these pilots. And it, I just don't understand how Channel 10 executives can't look at that and say, oh, this is where we might have a problem. Not necessarily, oh, this is not the perfect plan for us, but oh, a lot of people are going to look at this and have an issue.
1: Yeah, and Jane Caro did write a blistering story in mm. The Age this week, which we will definitely link in the show notes and we really recommend you guys read. But the week of comedy show pilots was also slammed by Jane Kennedy, Fiona O'Loughlin, Michelle Laurie, Kitty Flanagan, Mag- Magda Zabanski, some of the most talented people yeah. in our media and oh. comedy industry in Australia. We're coming out about this and saying there is not a seat for us at the table, and no matter how hard we knock on the door.
0: Outrageous! I think that list of women is is so important for us to consider. The Jane Kennedys, Fiona O'Loughlins, Michelle Laurie's. These aren't young women who are just making their career and trying to break into their career. Now, these are hugely well established women Australian comics who have proved themselves time and time and time again and I love the idea of the wise woman who wasn't copying shit anymore who was just sort of calling this stuff out consistently Jane Kennedy's tweet went super viral on Twitter mm. I hate
1: using that term viral, because, viral. It, because
0: it's like it's <laughs> not measurable how do you determine whether something is viral I would say like 700 retweets is viral
1: yeah and I'd say like a th- it had over well over a few thousand likes So super viral. Super viral. (laughs) That was just a a really shitty way of putting it. I'm sorry.
0: Um, But that's what I loved is the the collection of women calling this out was kind of inspiring. Um, And the fact it was Jane Cairo writing that piece. It was just crazy to me that... After everything that's happened perhaps in the last year, and I don't think we can understate how huge conversations around Me Too and gender um, and diversity and and representation on TV have had an impact on discourse and, and actually have influenced probably a lot of business decisions in the media. Absolutely, How that hasn't
1: caught on for next year. That just blows my mind. Well, I think we know that television executives for commercial channels are a little bit lost in... The Dark Ages, when it comes to this stuff. What I really enjoyed about Jane Caro's piece was the symbolism of desks. Mm. So she was talking a lot about how uh, talk show hosts in the US, in the UK and in Australia, the men who sit behind desks and uh, really steer these uh, panel shows or these interview shows, they're always men. They're always men. Mm -hmm. Even if you think back to Rove Live, which I loved that show back in the day, but it was always Rove behind the desk. Hamish and Andy, uh, Pete Hallier, Carrie Bickmore was thrown in there a bit. But these shows are very masculine. Even now you've got... People like Tom Ballard and Charlie Pickering on the ABC even, oh. Will Anderson, all on the ABC sitting behind these desks and steering the show. It does speak a lot to exactly what Jane Cairo said. It is such a symbol of authority and a symbol of
0: being a boss and that the women are only ever invited on these shows as a guest.
1: Yeah. The man with power sits behind a big shiny desk.
0: Kyle fucking Sanderlands as well.
1: Yeah. He's so some not of even people, funny. Some of the people on this list that they're trialling out – are also stuck in the Dark Ages. So you've got Kyle Sanderlands, you've got Rove McManus, which I like Rove, but he's kind of like the dorky dad character I reckon now. he's lost his touch, but I'm going to get slammed for that, so let's move on. <laughs> who else? We've got um Sam Dastyari,
0: who oh, is not don't. a comedian. <laughs> he's trying to be. I reckon he's got some, like whip snapper, 21-year-old media advisor running his Twitter account and everybody thinks he's funny when it just seems like he's
1: trying a little too hard. Mm. And he did respond to Jane Kennedy's tweet saying, look, I don't appreciate your feedback. This is going to be a lot about my darkest days in Parliament and how I pulled myself out of it. And that's all good. I'm all for vocalising issues of men's mental health and depression and all of the things in that sphere. However, surely someone with the intelligence of Sam Dastiari can also look at that newspaper page where there are eight white men and a woman enjoying watching the show I think and think that's not okay that really frustrates me the fact that he said that because I think it's not helpful
0: it doesn't matter what the content of your show is all eight of those shows could be the most important conversations anyone could be having yeah Carl Sanderlands particularly (laughs) (laughs) see it's just distracting the conversation it's it's ignoring the core point and I think that's a real indictment on how people just don't get it some people just don't get it the other thing when we were having a conversation about this earlier this week that i found so staggering is that we're in this time where hannah gatsby's nanette is worldwide news she was profiled on the new york times this week
1: it is what the most watched the most watched stand-up comedy show in the world
0: it is huge she is being lauded for being an amazing feminist for having just a great message for being a huge role model for all of these different things that that maybe she's shaping a new era in comedy that we're having that conversation as the same at the same time back home we're looking at our newspapers and, and that's who's fronting our comedy in the country it's
1: just so bizarre and i know this is my own opinion so give it as much weight as you will so i'm sorry but kitty flanagan tiny. is one of the best people on australian oh, television she's, she is the really. fact that kitty flanagan has not been given her own show when Other men who are nowhere near as talented are is a fucking disgrace. Kitty Flanagan is awesome and kick-ass and hilarious, and anyone who watches her on the ABC knows that she deserves a show. If television networks had any brain cells, they would put that woman behind a fucking desk. Yeah, righto. Start the campaign. No, I agree. I will. Hashtag Kitty. Get Kitty on TV. She's on TV. Get Kitty behind a desk. That's our hashtag.
0: I think the the main idea that I took from this that did make me a little deflated is there was a little commentary on Twitter, albeit from trolls, but I think it did represent a, a pretty core sense in society that women just aren't funny. And I think this stresses me out a little bit. I remember being at a at drinks maybe a year or two ago and I was having a conversation and I must have cracked a sarcastic joke that wasn't very funny. But I said something like, oh, yeah, but it doesn't count because women just aren't funny. And then someone goes... Oh yeah, I know you're joking, but but Zara, I can't find a female comedian that I think is funny. So you can imagine when it's twenty <gasps> people sitting around a table and it's silent. What? And I said, right, fair enough. Um, <clears throat> how about I send you some links? I don't know what to do oh with my that. God. But that's not an uncommon attitude to have. I'll probably find female comedians more funny than I'll find male comedians, just because you relate to them more. Yeah, they're talking about an experience that I understand. And because it's only men in boardrooms making these decisions, they're only picking the people that they find funny, hence male comedians are are getting a go. Our interests are still not really being taken seriously because women
1: can't break down the boardroom door yet. And until that happens, we won't have women behind desks. And you know the thing that gets me about this? is the stupidity, not only from a social, cultural perspective, but from a commercial perspective. If you consider the fact that women are the number one purchaser of things in the household, they buy more household items, They make more decisions when it comes to cars these days. They are the people that decide what products are bought and they're often the ones out there buying them themselves. Commercial channels are idiotic if they refuse to put women on televisions and attract more female audiences. Females are spending more dollars every single day and you are more likely to get good commercial partners on when women are watching
0: absolutely and I think all we have to do is look at Hannah Gadsby and look at
1: the fact that comedy can also be serious and have a message and people still want to watch it Mm. and we obviously on this podcast speak to women in their 20s and 30s predominantly and we're all going to Netflix and to Stan and to different streaming services that actually give us what we want these channels are just leaving us behind they're not even speaking to us And now it's time for the quick and dirty. We've obviously missed a lot of news over the last four weeks, but we will be bringing you the five top stories from this week in the celebrity news cycle.
0: Zara McDonald, are you ready? I am ready. My first story is obviously a Love Island one. I had massive FOMO from I hate using um, acronyms but I can't think of another You're massive such a millennial massive fear of missing out um when I was away from Love Island I did hear it went downhill anyway I should probably get to the point <laughs> Love
1: Island's Taylor will
0: never forgive Grant for lying about his girlfriend on the outside from Mamma Mia
1: my god that finale I was rooting for Taylor and Grant or hashtag Grayler, as Grant keeps referring to them as I was rooting for them for the entire last week I was absolutely devastated by the fact that people were still cheering on Eden and Aaron. I was taken for a fool. I should never have supported Grant and Taylor because they broke up literally within... It was one week and six days. Do you think
0: that's your own fault for investing so much in a
1: reality TV show that you were taken from a fool the minute you turned on the TV? I would argue it's Love Island's producer's fault for not checking that Grant crap not only had a girlfriend, he lived with this girlfriend. Who cares? I care.
0: He's on a fucking show looking for love. Um, I don't care that. To be honest, for someone who actually was quite invested in Love Island at the start, that's not the kind of stuff I care about and I doubt the producers care. They probably did check and think... Eh, let him on this will stir some trouble i don't know i'm not a big fan for of the it. same I think reasons he's... for the same reasons that you love the show which is the producer's ability to stir trouble is the same reason that this probably happened so you need to take the good with the bad he's done psychoanalyzing <laughs> <So with laughs> is that a saying because if not i like it I don't like being psychoanalyzed, but that's fine. Yeah, that's all right. Number two, I don't know if this is very celebrity. Leigh Lynchin resigns from SBS from News.com. That's not very celebrity, but it's go a, ahead. It's, uh, she has managed to penetrate the pop culture radar in Australia like nothing else. Whoever operates her Twitter account is a genius. It's the feed, I think. There's a great piece. Actually, I will link this in the show notes. There's a great piece by Benjamin Law in The Monthly that I saw retweeted um, after she resigned about how the character of Leigh Lynchin was constructed and who... Who, had, who was the idea behind it and how she just sort of lets anyone run with it. She does not care. Mm. It's so far from her. Private persona, her, the the public one, but it's a really it's a really interesting piece. It's not very long, but I would definitely recommend that because it's it's the feed the SBS feed producers who decided that they wanted to create this pop culture character out of Lee Lin
1: Chin, and they nailed it. I am interested in who she is as a person privately because we do know that on red carpets, like at Logies and stuff, she wears some crazy, out oh. there, eccentric outfits. So there must be some type of quirkiness. I think, that they were tapping into.
0: Oh, for sure. They, I mean, they had to see something in it and they think they had to know that she was going to run with it. Absolutely. But it is definitely sort of an alter ego that she has to enjoy playing but is probably not much of her own doing.
1: God, I'll miss her. She's been on SBS for 30 years. Was...
0: Number three. <laughs> this is <laughs> – I'm just going to read up first. Prince George is not as interested in playing with Charlotte all the time, says Source from People. And I would just like to quote a source who told the mag, he is more independent now. He likes to go off and do his own thing. This is since he started school. So he's sort of like coming into his own.
1: I'm trying to care. I don't care. Isn't
0: that just the most absurd story? Why is that a story?
1: Everything about the Royals is a new story. I'm sorry, but I read a story probably a couple of weeks ago about why Megan was holding her hat at Wimbledon and everyone was clicking on it. Everyone was talking about it. I don't care. Why do uh. people care about these people? I don't know. It's amazing
0: how you consider your clicking habits change once you leave work and on holidays. Like, what do I read to enjoy, or what do I read because I feel like I need to be across everything? Didn't click on a royal story. This one I just found funny.
1: I I think they're cute kids. I do think they're cute kids. What, I
0: really struggle to care what about kind of journalist any of the royals. Talks to a source, or you know, writes her own quote saying he is more independent now. He likes to go off
1: and do his own thing. It's because they know that it'll get clicks. He's five. The number of people who care about this stuff is scary. Anyway, number four, she says, who hosts a celebrity podcast? (laughs) (laughs)
0: I know, right? Carly Kloss to become Ivanka Trump's sister-in-law. That's some stuff.
1: This is a crazy story. that Carly Kloss, who is very progressive, very progressive, very political. She's always been political, Carly Kloss, very political, and she's about to join one of the most conservative families in the world.
0: Yeah, and also the most controversial. So Ivanka Trump is married to Jared Kushner, who works for the president. Jared Kushner's brother is Joshua Kushner. Joshua Kushner just proposed to Carly Kloss while they were in Italy. In fact, I think they were in Capri. Don't mind me. Ooh. Um, uh, Last week, which they seem like quite a cute couple. They are super private. I have this love affair with Carly Kloss. You will never let me talk about her on the
1: podcast because you don't think people care. I don't even think, if you don't know who Carly Kloss is, I don't blame you. She's a Victoria's Victoria Secret, Secret model. model.
0: But she's not a Victoria's Secret model. She oh. gave up modeling. She's from this like super normal, like almost hillbilly American family. Um, I'm going rogue because you won't let me talk about her. She now runs Code with Clossy, which is just this amazing initiative, a not-for-profit to make sure young girls code all across America. She has camps. Thousands of women go through her program. So she runs a not-for-profit. She does the March for Your Lives stuff. She, she often, her and um, Joshua Kushner have been spotted at the women's marches and stuff, even though Josh's brother works
1: for Trump. Right. Look, not if interesting. Guys, if you guys care about Carly Closs, do let us know. It's, I don't care about Carly Closs. It's too late. Kloss. I've already
0: done the hard time. <laughs> anyway, that is interesting. I will not be told anything. Okay, opposite. all right. Number it's f- interesting. Number five, <laughs> Justin Bieber and fiancé Hayley Baldwin oh. look loved up. Oh, this can only come from one place. In NYC as he teases new song by Instagram, Daily Mail.
1: My fave publication. I Well, obviously we need to put this in there because we weren't around when Bieber and Baldwin decided to get engaged that was huge news that we missed huge how do you feel about all these celebrities getting engaged after a couple of months together i know that there's
0: been a little bit of outrage in the facebook group i know that you have some weird misguided outrage about it too i don't care
1: see i don't actually feel outraged about these two because i know they've got a history that spans a few years so they're like 21 yeah well screw you people can get married young and be happy no offense no <laughs> no of course they can of course
0: they can it's you, just you know that you know that divorce rates in hollywood are a hundred percent
1: so you just 100%. know that the, so you know that they're going to get divorced well or, you're a cynic and you don't believe that they'll last or that they'll make it down the aisle no i did say that they're not making it down the aisle see i think they'll go down the aisle in like a month they'll do a quickie wedding maybe because they heard that's what i would say and they, <laughs> that's what i would say they listen to shameless
0: and want to prove us that's wrong that's what i said um that's all i've got for you thank you zara mcdonald carly closs for the win <laughs> I'm still so shocked, so proud of myself that I did it. I really just can't believe it. It's definitely the most serious health issue that I've been able to tackle in a healthy, holistic, natural way. Yeah.
1: Well, it's been a mammoth week for the Australian Wellness Warrior Brigade. First, we had former Miss Australia Tegan Martin be exposed by the Daily Telegraph for allegedly exaggerating her qualifications as a health coach. Days later, Sarah Stevenson, better known as Sarah's Day, sent our podcast Facebook group into a tizzy with her latest video titled, How I Healed Myself Naturally, Cervical Dysplasia Sin 3. Zara, this isn't the first time we've spoken about Sarah's Day, so let's start with her video and then we'll go more widely about the wellness industry. We had a conversation
0: about whether we were going to bring this up again because we did do a pretty comprehensive segment on this. A couple of months ago. Mm -hmm. It is called Fact Checking A Healing Princess. If you want to go and find that episode first before we actually launch into this segment. But I don't think we could have ignored it because we were both very troubled by this video.
1: No, and I agree with you. So let's start this conversation with Sarah's disclaimer. She had a 90 second disclaimer at the start of her almost 17 minute video. And she did begin by saying it's a serious health issue. There's so much backlash and judgment when you talk about things like sin 3 that's what she said so obviously that's how she's coming to this that she sees our critique of her she sees what we think as backlash and judgment yeah and she also thinks that in putting out this content that she says she's not a doctor and she says that she isn't an expert in the field therefore she circumvents any responsibility in sharing this story And I
0: think if someone did come to her, like if a governing body or, you know, a big news outlet did come to her, she could always point to that disclaimer and she can point to that disclaimer as a way to get herself out of trouble. But I think that's what bothered me the most is it just felt like a get out of jail free card. You cannot possibly say, hey, this is just my story. And then in the next sentence, say, so for all of you girls suffering from sin three, I hope you listen to this and I hope this helps because those two things. At total odds with each other.
1: Exactly. And we need to make it crystal clear. We are not judging Sarah's day for what she does with her body. What we're doing here is we're critiquing her choice to share medical misinformation with over a million people. So it's one thing to go out and say, I did this to my own body. But the power of language is immense. As soon as you use the word how, which Mm. is the very first word in the title, is prescriptive. She's prescribing how to do something. So how I healed my cervical dysplasia already is taking ownership of some type of knowledge that doctors or whoever can't share themselves. The use of the word how is super critical, and I think we really need to analyze that really seriously. Beyond that, we need to, at the very core of this issue, identify the fact that Sarah's day is saying she has treated her cervical dysplasia naturally is a medical myth that is not true based on all the scientific information research we have available Mm that the Cancer Council has available that the Australian Medical Association has available that is not true no matter how many times Sarah's day says this is my story I'm telling you my experience she's actually not that's not her story and that's not her experience because it's actually medically and scientifically unfounded yes
0: and I think that's actually the first issue is that there is there is a story you can tell there is a story you can tell about your experience and you can tell that to your family and your friends and yeah it probably is no it definitely is scientifically impossible for you to heal yourself naturally when nearly 30 percent of cases regress themselves but I had exactly the same issue with my concern lay firstly and almost wholly with her tone and her attitude and her language which was the use of healed cured and I did it and the word how it's not that you are thinking that food can help your body because I don't need to sit here and say that food is helpful and that food is good for you because we know that The other sentence that really got me, and it was a really by the by sentence, it wasn't an important one, but I remember she was talking about her diagnosis and she was saying all of the things she was thinking and all the things she was feeling when she was told that she had SYN3, which would have been a pretty confronting diagnosis. There is no doubt about that. And she said one of the first thoughts that went through her mind was, I'm so healthy. Why does this have to happen to me? And that really got me because I, I I don't like the idea, even if it was just a, a two-second thought that went through her head, but she's still spreading that to nearly 100,000 people that have watched this video. The idea that the entirety of our health is in our control, that is brimming with shame. Like it ties so neatly into this post-orthorexia Instagram world that we're in where everything to do with food, everything to do with exercise, everything to do with health is so shrouded in shame because the implication is that we have control over everything. Mm. That's what gets me the most about the whole video and the whole sort of message that she's spreading is the idea of control when often most people don't have that control. I
1: really want to make a point of the fact that it's if you want to share your story, that's fine. When it says something as serious as health, you also need to open yourself up to other scientifically-backed, scientifically- uh, robust research totally. and the thing i think that upset me and upset a lot of people the most is that when people commented on sarah's day social media channels including dr brad mckay who we spoke to in our podcast yeah. two months ago when they commented and said this is not true this is medical misinformation this is the cancer council stance. this is what the research says that we have available at the moment she deleted those comments And I've spoken to her briefly since. Uh, She isn't happy with the fact that we're covering her again, I'm sure. And she isn't happy with what she calls hate and negativity from us. I would argue it's just valid criticism. She sees those things as unwarranted negativity that she doesn't want in her space. Yes. What I find very difficult to deal with is that comments from women who have sin 3 or are sick And saying, thank you so much, Sarah, you've educated me so much, you've shown me the way are left up. So when you're removing people who are using science and taking the Western medical stance, which Sarah herself says that she believes in and that she backs why are you deleting those comments for people to say that we are hating on her is ludicrous we are journalists it is our job to look for facts and to hold people to account and whether we like it or not the most powerful people in our culture speaking to 20 and 30 and teenaged women are influencers sarah's day is the powerful person here it's what we went to university to do to look into these things and to hold people to account for what they're spreading and I think if someone had done that
0: with Bell Gibson a little earlier we wouldn't have found ourselves in the clusterfuck that we were in or the clusterfuck that she was in there was a comment in our Facebook group and I actually won't I won't share the name because it is a private Facebook group, but it was from a young girl. who said, I honestly fear for the young impressionable girls watching her videos. This also hits home to me at a very personal level. I know I shouldn't feel inferior to her, but today this video brings back the memories of an afraid and confused 16 year old girl who didn't really understand why the cancer chose her. And it feels like she is being told she should have fixed this problem herself, Hmm. which really played into that idea of control for me. Cancer is, one of the most serious uh, illnesses you can possibly have. But I think you can apply this logic to almost any illness. I mean, how much does it tell you that maybe your anxiety could be healed with food or my endometriosis is, is in my control, that I could heal that myself? All of those ideas just bring so much shame to so many people. And it's it's so it's so disheartening to me to read these comments from young girls who have had similar things, who did go down the surgery path because that's exactly what their doctor told them to do because that's exactly the kind of thing that fixes them.
1: And there was another woman in our podcast, Facebook Facebook group who was talking about getting a radical hysterectomy yeah. because she had cervical cancer. So there are people who are being really negatively affected by this type of conversation and this kind of misinformation that she's spreading. I wonder if part of the reason that you and I find this topic so gripping is because we have our own medical issues. As you said, chronic health issues like endometriosis. I've got chronic health issues with my lungs and have since a very young age. We've also had people in our lives touch really uh significantly by cancer I my mum had cancer my grandfather passed away from cancer late last year it is extremely upsetting to see people put this spin on cancer like it's something that if you just take a few liquefied vitamins and if you drink a morning tonic then that's somehow a defense because some of the healthiest people I know in my life have been touched by cancer but it
0: doesn't discriminate my parents are the healthiest people I know I mean it's a very easy story for me to tell now but they are the two healthiest people I know they have both battled cancer in the last five, six years. Like I will I will run to the heels and and back myself in saying that they are the healthiest people I know. There is no doubt that them being so healthy helped their recovery. The fact that they did look after themselves meant their recovery was better, but it had no bearing on their diagnosis and it didn't have any bearing on their treatment. Mm. I was reading through the Facebook comments and there was uh, a conversation going on in, about why do we feel so fired up about this outside of the fact that cancer can affect everyone and everybody feels a bit fired up about that. But I know that there was a comment in there as well is, is it because we think women, young women, lack critical analytical skills to work this out for themselves? So young girls, do we do we, do we we really think that young women are that stupid? Is that, is that honestly what we think? And I remember I spent a long time thinking about this. I really did because I, I wanted to make sure that any kind of criticism we have is not misguided and that it's really, really informed. And all I started thinking, like I was stumbling, then I was pondering, and I think if we applied that train of thought to a lot of stuff young people are going through, we would actually be in a world of trouble. Like, how does that extend to Photoshop? If we think let's afford young people the critical analytical skills to sort this shit out for themselves, how would that extend to Photoshop or buying followers? Like, this isn't just one example. Sarah Day is not the only person doing something that could potentially mislead her followers. She's not the only one spruking these ideas. It, she lives under an entire umbrella of insidious Instagram culture where wellness and shame are inextricably linked. Mm. To assume young women can analyse this as a standalone example is to completely ignore the world that they've grown up in. Mm. What would be her average follow age? 18. They've been on Instagram since they're 12. For the last six years, they have lived in a virtual world that's told them being well and being hot come one and the same they follow these women because they're hot these hot women are telling them how to be well and for them those th- those two things come together they're inextricably linked absolutely so the minute somebody is telling them that if the food they're putting in their body makes them hot and well why wouldn't they do both of those things because that's what's valued in that world
1: as a branch offers of that as well if someone is critiquing us saying you're not giving women enough credit i would argue that the women i am most worried about is not necessarily the 18 year old who's watching Sarah's day with good health I'm worried about the woman looking down the barrel of surgery, or looking down the barrel of chemotherapy, or invasive medical procedures. Who is desperate? Yeah. The women, the woman who is scared and desperate, and has just received a diagnosis that could potentially change her life. I'm worried about her, because that is when the pull of taking a morning tonic instead, doing yoga instead, uh, putting a suppository inside your come on uh, rect, rectum. Oh, I, so was I didn't term. know if it was a scientific word that was going to stress Maybe you out. Right. I thought it was like um, the asshole word. If you, if that's that's when the pull is the strongest, and yeah. that's what I worry about—that we're talking about very vulnerable, very scared people, and I, it's not just women; it's men too. Oh, I absolutely agree, and I and I think there is
0: there is that side to it is that if if anyone's in that position, all you want is control because everything is so out of your control. That is the one thing that you'd crave the most. I think we should be careful though, because sure, Sarah's day is doing something we consider unethical irresponsible any of those words but she is like i just said she's not a she's not a standalone example she lives in a culture where popularity and having expertise have accidentally been conflated Mm -hmm. where where if we're going to get to tegan martin now who is the former miss universe who said that she is a health coach but hasn't finished any degree we live in this world where if you have X amount of in- in Instagram followers, we've, we've accidentally confused you with someone that has something tangible, a tangible qualification behind them. And it's so fine. Have as many Instagram followers as you want. Be hot, make money off that, do something good with your time. I do not mind what you do. But the minute you confuse that with actually having advice
1: to give based on health and science, that's when I'll have an issue. So in an email to a potential client, uh, Tegan Martin was exposed for exaggerating her health Qualifications. So basically, she told this client that she'd received two certificates from an online course. I think it's called the Institute Mm -hmm. of Integrative Nutrition, I believe. She said she'd received two certificates. That is not true. She has received one mid-year certificate and she later clarified to the Daily Telegraph that she had chronic fatigue syndrome and didn't complete them at all, but did study. But she's charging people for health coaching. Yeah, she's not just charging people. I want to put this into perspective for everyone. She's charging $300 for 50 minutes okay, per Mm -hmm. health coaching session without a tangible qualification that the Australian Medical Association recognises. I want to put that in perspective. I pay my psychologist $200 for an hour. My respiratory specialist is free. Most times Mm -hmm. it's covered completely by Medicare. So what Tegan Martin, a person with no qualifications, is asking for is more than my respiratory specialist and my psychologist combined. Part of me, I
0: don't have, like, I have a lot of disappointment regarding these kinds of conversations about taking Martin serious day and I'm angry for sure, but also there's part of me that actually doesn't blame them because these two women and not just these two women, but there's a whole host of young people who are the product of a realm that's told them they can do whatever the fuck they want they that you can be an expert on anything I, I wondered if this is a bit of a stretch but it reminded me of all those times we've been called the snowflake generation because we've always been told from the really young age that we can do and be whatever we want and actually we can't but we've been told from the youngest of age that if we jump high enough we'll get there and I wondered if this is Is it a surprise that it's this generation where we're having issues with young people with too many Instagram followers thinking that they have too much power because we've always been told time and time and time again as a generation that we can do whatever we want?
1: Yeah. When you have a very uh, watertight community around you, Mm. I don't think someone's actually really come in and penetrated these communities for either women very much. I think being a wellness warrior, which is a lot of what these people call themselves or a holistic health princess yes uh they attract a very specific type of person and a very specific type of community where there isn't a lot of criticism going on there's a a lot of of, loyalty yeah a fuckload of loyalty and a fuckload of reinforcing Mm. so they're reinforced again and again and again and it's not surprising that either their egos or their their egos i'm just gonna say their egos are nourished and uh thrive on this yeah and they don't actually stop to go okay i'm being enforced 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 Where, where does it stop? What stresses
0: me out is the first thing you learn in philosophy class is that as a society, we get stupider if we don't disagree with each other. We actually get stupider. We make no progress if there aren't actual criticisms going on and disagreements going on with each other. And the fact that we are creating microcosms in Instagram where people aren't disagreeing with each other, where when you do disagree with each other, you're called a hater. That is actually making us dumber. As a society, the other thing that I was thinking, I don't actually think it's a stretch, but it doesn't seem to be a huge coincidence to me that this stuff is also going on in this post truth era that we found ourselves in with Donald Trump at, at the forefront. Fake news. It doesn't seem like a coincidence that facts and truth and science, science mean so much less now that Donald Trump is as at the helm because it feels like so many people with an opinion are allowed to say them and have a platform when, in fact, I truly believe... That we should all have a platform, but some people should have just a tiny, tiny one-centimeter platform, and other people can have a three-meter one.
1: Absolutely, and we found this really interesting. I highly, highly recommend people go read the profile on Gwyneth Paltrow in the New York Times Mm. this week. What that really critically looked at is the fact that in the wellness community, it is now a beneficial thing for someone to say to their clients, "I'm not a doctor. I'm not part of Western medicine. I'm." I am removing myself from that. I'm a separate entity and I will show you the real way. There's almost this cynicism and this disdain for anyone who is pro-establishment or anyone who associates themselves with the government or uh, the medical in- totally. institutions or religion or I'm it's not like religious. It's like a rebellion but-
0: to author- authority.
1: Absolutely. So now these are, there are these people going around saying, I have no qualifications. I'm not a doctor and that's why you should care about what I have to say. Which is beyond baffling. This The Gwyneth Paltrow thing was really interesting, especially
0: that it came out this week, because it is absolutely no surprise that Sarah Stevenson, that Gwyneth Paltrow and that Tegan Martin are white, beautiful and blonde. There is no surprise because we have linked being hot and being well so inextricably. And also there's this idea of aspiration that comes from it. These these women would have no business models if they weren't hotter than anybody else because we have to aspire to be like them. And in our culture, all our currency is based on our looks. So we have to aspire to be like them. And in order to be like them, we have to act like them and we have to do what they do.
1: And we have to take six different vitamins every single day and cut out coffee and only eat plant-based foods and only eat organic foods. And once you do that, make sure you do a daily homemade suppository. And once you do that, make sure you cut out every type of meat and dairy in your life. It's just... It's this chain where you can never be good enough. There is always something that you can be doing extra. Are you doing yoga? Well, why don't you try hot yoga? Are you running five kilometres a day? You better be running 15. Like, it's never enough. As women, we are told you are never doing enough to be the absolute optimum woman that you can be. And I think it's
0: it's so hard when this idea of that you said that we're so anti-establishment, we're, we're in this huge rebellion against authority at the moment. Like, we can't actually change the the crux of how society is working right now but I think what we can do is looking at the cause and I think that is aspiration and I think what we can do after that is look at who we're aspiring to be and that's the kind
1: of shit we can change Um, I do want to finish this on a really brilliant quote from Taffy Brodesser-Akner who was writing for the New York Times and did the profile on Gwyneth Paltrow and I think this sums up exactly what we are talking about We are doomed to aspire for the rest of our lives. Aspiration is suffering. Wellness is suffering. As soon as you level up, you greet how infinite the possibilities are and it all becomes too awful to live without.
0: There's been many forks, unfortunately. My story had many ups and downs and I've hit rock bottom in different aspects of my life. There was one moment where I was drinking vodka out of a Sprite bottle at nine in the morning at the airport and I had thrown up in the car service and I just thought to myself this is no longer glamorous it's no longer cute it's no longer fun I'm like my dad and I felt pathetic and I knew that I had to change This week, news broke that former child star turned singer Demi Lovato had been rushed to hospital after a suspected heroin overdose. The public response was typical of public response when these things happen. There were outpourings of support, of love, of the need for Lovato to get help. But Mish, alongside that commentary were a few tweets pointing out our compassion for addicts who aren't celebrities rarely looks the same as our compassion for celebrities. How did you feel watching that conversation take place?
1: Uh, I felt like I really tapped into something that I feel as well. Before we get on to anything, let's give a bit of context as to the Demi Lovato story in case you missed it. And in case you're not really across who Demi Lovato is, as you said, she rose to fame through Disney. uh, One of those Disney kids who was really identified as a talent quite young because of all that fame and attention and power at such a young age. She first went to rehab at 18. She has lived in a sober house for more than a year after she came out of rehab. She has described struggling with eating disorders, bipolar mm. disorder, self harm, and suicidality or suicidal thoughts. Yeah. Uh, she's now 25. She's relapsed again. She has made two documentaries where she's explained her struggle with substance abuse and addiction. And most recently, I guess what happened was there was a party overnight. She was found unconscious and unresponsive in bed by an assistant who then called 911 and then found its way into TMZ and then into the world media, that Demi Lovato has suffered a heroin overdose and she is now okay. Mm -hmm. She's still in hospital as of Sunday and she is talking and with family. Correct. It interestingly, but perhaps not surprisingly,
0: um, resulted in quite a strong reaction. And maybe I had underestimated how many fans Demi Lovato has but the tone on Twitter and on social media was quite powerful Mm. it was pretty insane so many celebrities that I follow on Twitter were tweeting their thoughts and their prayers you know as you do in these kind of scenarios but the tone was brimming and shrouded in love and compassion Mm. which I mean I wasn't necessarily surprised about but like I said perhaps the volume of which I was surprised
1: about yeah and it was really good to see I think anyone who's listening to this this is what we want to see this absolutely support and this compassion is what we want to see in all cases of a, a, a substance abuse and addiction uh in hindsight i've been thinking about this and in hindsight i think the reason that we have such uh, empathy for demi's struggle is because we've witnessed the struggle mm. because we there's been a light that has been shone on all aspects of demi's life and every turn in the road has been shown to the public and we have rejoiced in her being sober for six years and now the world has really felt saddened by her relapse do you think it's because that we can see that she's trying I think we can see that she's trying and I think what she's done really bravely is take the world into a part of mental health that we don't often see I've discussed this before briefly on the podcast but I think there is a tendency for people to only bring the world into their struggle when they've recovered completely and it's often a dialogue of i was sick then and i'm well now so let me tell you let me
0: tell you the story now
1: yes exactly there's not really much of a discussion around i was sick then and i'm feeling better now but i'll always be a little bit sick and that is what demi has done really well so a lot of her quotes have always been around this will be a lifelong illness. Mm. I will probably relapse again and I'll probably go through this recovery process again. The point is I'm getting better.
0: Which I think gives remarkable and really important insight into perhaps how exhausting it is as someone living through it. Um, Because you do see that perhaps she's, she's worked really hard. She's got to a point where she's well and then she's relapsed again and then she's got to a point where she's well and then perhaps something else has come up. And that is the reality for a lot of people. I wondered, again, um, I thought this conversation was punctuated a lot by the idea of, just to repeat myself, control. That The idea that that Demi had, or the sense that Demi had no control over her situation rather than how perhaps we consider how regular drug addicts deliberately drive themselves into a corner. I should be very careful that that's not my opinion, but that is perhaps a general societal sense. And I think the tone was different because there's a certain... I mean, I would love to think that it was exactly as you say, it's because we let her in, but I, I don't know if, it's, if it is that. I think it's perhaps we assume that there's a certain inevitability about celebrities and overdose and celebrities and drugs, that they live this life we don't understand, that the only way that they can cope with the life that we don't understand is through drugs and through alcohol and therefore that leads to addiction. Mm. And I wonder if, if that's it. The other thing I wondered, and I don't think I've been around long enough to actually answer this question, but perhaps you can offer some insight in the four months you've lived longer than I (laughs) have we always reacted like this to celebrities and overdose or like is this just one piece of the puzzle to getting to a point where we do you know uh, extend more love and more compassion to people with addiction
1: is have we always have we always been like this or is this just you know step one it's funny you ask that when we decided to cover this story on the podcast I was coming to it from the perspective of, I remember a couple of years ago, I wrote a long piece about Amy Winehouse and Amy Winehouse's struggle and the media's coverage of her struggle back in 2009 to 2011 when she died. And I think it's completely different. You're so right. I remember this now. Yeah. With Amy Winehouse, it was all about the gotcha moments. So even if you look back at the documentaries that look at her life and look at her addiction struggles, a lot of it is about paparazzi hounding her in her darkest days to the point where she lost her life. And it was all about how skinny is Amy Winehouse? How drug affected does she look? Who is she dating? Do the people she date other people who she dates involved with drugs as well it was all about finding footage of her and photographs of her at her absolute worst it's very similar with britney spears who has since come out and so, said she was struggling yeah. with substance abuse at that time as well i feel like in the last eight or so years we've really shifted from look at these people look how unwell they are to okay this is similar to any other type of physiological illness and we need to treat it that way. And even in our bonus episode, when we spoke to Ben McDonald, a celebrity paparazzo, he said to us, the one of the most recent images that he chose not to release to the media was of a celebrity who had been going through mental health struggles and was found in a compromising position. We don't know who that Australian celebrity was, but I think that gives a real insight into even the paparazzi's attitude towards this it has shifted so in saying that then i think we can absolutely lament
0: um how how the public reaction to celebrity overdose is very different to your average overdose but then i think the other part of it is is we'll get there i know it's not ideal i know that's an, an overly optimistic way of looking at it but i think if this is step number one then perhaps we will get there and can we expect the conversation to move that fast it's like when people talk about tokenism on TV and people are like, well, they're just, it's just a token woman on that panel. And it's like, yeah, well, that is the token woman on that panel. But that's step one. Hmm. That is step one. I think if people haven't seen the documentary, Amy, we'll put that link in our show notes to watch that too, because I think that's a really brilliant, um, now that you've reminded me about Amy Winehouse, um, that's a brilliant insight into how devastating addiction can be, not just in anyone's life, but also a celebrity's life.
1: I wonder if it's also the distinction now that we're talking about it together, if there's a distinction between who we deem a junkie and who we deem a party girl. Oh, absolutely. And it's hard to tell because there are reports that it was heroin that Demi Lovato was taking. That is not confirmed. We need to be really strong about that. It could have been anything. The reports are that it's heroin. It could have been anything. That's what really surprised me in a nice, good way that even if it is heroin that she overdosed on, which is typically associated. Yes. Historically, with the junkie uh, metaphor or their image, that we're still not treating her like she's a dirty junkie. That's like that's the the terminology. I don't in know the... if that has
0: as much to do with the drug as it does the person. Mm. Like the way we consider drugs is also a little classist. Um, oh, absolutely.
1: If it's cocaine, you're a party girl. Yeah, if, it's if it's ice, it's, you're yeah, a dirty junkie. Exactly.
0: Yeah. And so, I, I I honestly don't know if that has more to, with more to do with the drug. Than the person. Um, I guess maybe it's helpful in conversations that we can have to say it doesn't matter what the drug is, addiction's the same all the way around. But I think it absolutely, it absolutely has to do with the kind of person we're considering. If it's a homeless person on the street, our compassion is so low, mm. like
1: so low. And I live in an area of Melbourne, which is probably the drug capital of Melbourne. You just gave away your address or Australia. Uh, there are drug affected people quite quite commonly on the street and around. And, yeah, I think in my area it's more accepted and there's more of a uh, tolerance to these struggles and to what these people are going through. But perhaps it is classist in that people who don't live in my suburb or in my area of town do have a more disdain Totally, and they're response. probably the,
0: the coke addicts anyway
1: who, who find themselves so well above the drug addiction
0: that don't realise it's touched them too.
1: <laughs> I do want to draw light to a statistic that I found really fascinating. This was in The Hollywood Reporter, written by Ryan Hampton, who used to be addicted to heroin and has met Demi Lovato and has a relationship with Demi Lovato on some level. He did say that on the same day that Demi Lovato was hospitalised, 174 people in the US died by the same cause that put her in hospital. It's huge. It's a huge issue. And they don't really talk about it much, but even opioid addiction and painkiller addiction is a massive, massive issue in the US. And not only that, we really need to understand that relapse for addiction is incredibly common. Between 40 and 60% of people who are addicted will relapse in the first year of being Mm. discharged from a mental health facility, the majority occurring in the first 30 days.
0: It's so tough, and I think when I said that if the conversation has come away in the last eight years, then it may, maybe eventually we'll get to a point where we don't we don't have to worry about our language, regardless of celebrities or the average person. But a couple of things do have to change here. I think politicians play a huge role in how we consider drug addicts. I mean, the fact that we always have conversations almost every budget year or election year about drug testing welfare recipients, as if there's a direct linear correlation between having no money and doing drugs. The other thing I think we need to really get rid of is that brilliant artist trap, the idea that anyone who's super successful in the arts is tortured in some way, is so creative that they can't even live in this world and that they need to turn to drug or alcohol in order to work through it. I think we need to get rid of that because I think that is, is super dangerous. Not only is it dangerous for women like Demi Lovato, but it's also shit for the people like Johnny Depp who get away with murder not literally, in case I'm getting sued for that. <laughs> he has known to come after Australian journalists who get away with, with murder because of that trap. I think that works in many ways. But also just I think I think the very grassroots of this conversation does come down to how we talk about uh, drug addicts or addiction and how our politicians consider them too. If they aren't treating them like they're treating me or you or whoever, then, then how are we expected to do much more of that when public discourse is
1: so saturated with, uh, bias and prejudice and of course Demi Lovato's relapse is uh horrible and it's devastating but the silver lining of it is that the everyday person and perhaps the conservative fans of Demi Lovato will see a face that they can put to relapse and addiction mm-hmm. and a story that they can put to addiction and understand that's not so clean cut as she was addicted now she's fine addiction is a lifelong struggle and the more support we give these people the better I just hope that if it if on the off chance and the horrible chance it ever happens again, the compassion levels are the same. Thank you so much for joining us for episode 21. Please subscribe to our show in your podcast feed. It really does help spread the word and allow other people to find our show before you jump in, Zara. Oh. I will let Android listeners know we're now on Spotify and I've heard that other podcast apps on Android aren't great. So if you want to hop over to Spotify and listen to us there, you can do that. Or Android, as you spelt in our Instagram story. Did
0: I? <gasps> <laughs> no. <laughs> any Hey, any Android listeners out there? No. Um, oh my god i did i hate typos more Mm, than anything so do i so imagine how i felt and don't forget guys just while michelle has a little you know moment you can take part in the conversation by joining our facebook group search for shameless celebrity gossip on facebook and come and be our friend we're having some good discussions in there um yeah that's
1: (laughs) (laughs) just peter i I could
0: not have gone into sales because i could not sell anything no uh, we're also on Instagram. Just search for Shameless Podcast. Our podcast Instagram page now has followers and more followers than
1: my personal one, which is I can't work out a win or a loss, but I'm just going to roll it. it. Yeah. I'll call it a win. I'll call it a win. We're so happy to be back, guys. You will be hearing from us every week as per usual Pizarro won't be back in Europe for a very long time. <laughs> Not if my bank account has anything to do with it. <laughs> it's crying. Bye. Oh, hi, it's Annabelle Lee and Louie Hansen here. We are your hosts of Everybody Has a Secret. Woo! Woo. We are here essentially just to let you know that we drop episodes every week. Now, every damn Friday morning, we are in your ears. That is so exciting. What a time to be in your ear holes. So essentially, each episode, we unpack the real-life secrets of our listeners. So this is for everyone who loves, you know, just a little bit of gossip in -hmm. their lives, which, let's be real, Annabelle, is all of us. It's absolutely all of us. Don't lie. You all love gossip. So if you want to listen to our show, please do head to your favourite podcast app and listen now. See you there. Bye.